Hello and welcome to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, where I, Michelle Carville, interview business leaders around the practicalities of how, in this hyper-connected digital age, they are embracing digital technologies to tune in and connect and communicate. You can find all episodes of the podcast together with show notes via our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. In this episode of the Get Social Connected Leader podcast, I'm delighted to interview Roland Deezer. Roland is a Drucker Senior Fellow and leads the Centre for the Future of Organisation at the Drucker School of Management at Claremont Graduate University. Prior to this appointment, he served for 10 years as a Senior Fellow with the Centre for the Digital Future at the University of Southern California. His current work focuses on the impact of digital technologies on leadership and organisation and on organisational capabilities required in disruptive business environments. His latest books are Designing the Smart Organisation and Transformers. Roland is also founder and chairman of the Executive Corporate Learning Forum, a consortium of more than 50 global corporations from 14 countries, which he developed in 2005 to shape the future of transformational learning and development in large organizations. As a keynote speaker, he has been addressing audiences in the US, Europe, Asia and Australia. He has also been working in advisory and board positions with global Fortune 500 companies such as BASF, Bertelsmann, Credit Suisse, Cisco Systems, Deutsche Telekom, Eon, Xerox, SAP and Siemens, as well as with emerging growth companies, primarily in the digital media convergence space. Roland, it's wonderful to have you here on the podcast, all the way from Los Angeles. Yes, Michelle. Thanks so much. My so- pleasure. Yeah, thank thank you so much. So we connected a while ago now um, when I was writing Get Social and I came across your work around social media literacy and leadership. And for you know, at that time when I was writing, there was nothing really else around that topic. So what is it? Why why was it that you started to explore that particular area? Well, it actually really goes back almost five years before this article in McKinsey Quarterly came out, which actually became this kind of put maybe the topic on, onto the table. I was doing some uh, advisory work with a major media corporation, which was looking at how they could expand their uh, portfolio of businesses. And somehow, you know, YouTube and all these things have come up. And I saw that leadership and people and organizations more and more needed these kinds of capabilities to leverage this type of media successfully. And I thought there could be even a kind of a business segment for these guys to develop uh, services and all kinds of consultancy and so around um, this digital media literacy. You know, when, when people said every person, in a way, is his own filmmaker, it was very much really yeah. then on filmmaking and making a, an effective YouTube video in order to communicate more effectively in real time and so on. And then in discussions with a friend of mine who was the uh, global head of uh, leadership at that time at General Electric, we developed this further and had the great opportunity to interview about 30 of the top 60 uh, executives at GE about uh, you know a framework that we slowly had developed about uh, organizational social media literacy. But it took its time <laughs> until yeah. it matured. But that was the origin of the thing. And, and so how is that? Because, I mean, 
that seems, you know, that that seems now, I mean, even now there are a lot of organizations that that really aren't that literate in social media. I mean, it, it, it's changing. There's definitely been a shift. So how have you, how are you finding, how is that research evolving? You know, what were the, what were the key insights or, you know, what were you learning from the, the work that you were doing with these organizations? Well, well, on one hand, you know, there is, there is this framework which we put out almost as a kind of a normative, you know, orientation for people to say, what do you need to do in order to leverage social media for competitive advantage? But what we found very interesting when you talk to executives was originally many saying, well, you know, Facebook, this is something for my kids. You know, we never thought about social media that way. We thought about social media as a technology that really enables uh, new ways and much more effective and efficient ways of collaboration and uh, communication. And that is an engine, almost a kind of a thrust for horizontalization of organizational structures, which means, you know, what organizations usually have to organize is, is a vertical command and control structure, which dates back to the industrial age, is kind yep. of 20th century management. And everybody was talking already about organization of the 21st century needs to be more flat. You know, there is this Friedman flat world. There is also a thing that we need to be faster, more responsive. We need to engage more with customers. And so without social media, you needed this generally as times become more fast, you know, things accelerate uh, exponentially, actually, sadly. And, and, and how do you deal with it? And then I thought the social technology is actually a technology that drives organizations towards that kind of new uh, paradigm so to yeah. say, because it is a hierarchy buster because everybody got this voice. And if you let these voices out, you know, you, you find out a lot of what is going on within your customer, within your employee, right? When, when we talk about EX, which, you know, employee experience or CX, customer experience, how do they find out where are the data? They come by people engaging in actually social technology, social media, you know, may it be blogs, may it be posts, may it be, you know, wikis or whatever happened uh, in that in that social media space. So I found back then already that it is an enabler. Like if you think back, you know, process-oriented uh, software like SAP that streamlined, for instance, the supply chain processes uh, really changed the way organizations worked in their supply chain organization. Yeah. Social media changes the way organizations work in their social texture. And eventually social texture is what creates culture. And, you know, culture is, again, something that relates very much to implementing things or not implementing things. So I think it is, if you leverage social technology well, uh, you know, you, you, you have a competitive advantage against those who do not leverage it well and that was somehow our 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 hypothesis now um if i may just continue on this the, the, the big thing we found out as i said before they say well facebook you know that's something for children people don't get it yeah and it's very hard and i think and, and by the way I'm, I'm i'm changing my language i'm trying to change the language back not social media anymore yeah uh, because uh, it, it has a connotation you know, it comes, by the way, meanwhile, and maybe we'll talk about this later, also with a lot of unintended consequences we see these days, right, that uh, are 
were not that visible 10 years ago, but you know, today, you know, the, 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 the good, the bad and the ugly we see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, technology. So I'll, I'll try it rather in something like digital social network, you know, or something like that. Uh, because social media is now so closely uh, connotated and, and related to, you know, the Facebooks and the yeah. and so on of this world. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've actually written blog posts around, let's just stop calling it social media because it's, yeah. it's much more powerful than, you know, and the thinking of, oh, it's just what children do or it's people posting what they had for breakfast, you know. Right. It, right. It, it's, it's less about that and it's more about the connectivity that it enables at such a pace. Um, more, yes. Yeah. And so, you, you know, that, and I think also, uh, and it's interesting, Roland, what you're talking about, I think also a lot of organizations think about social media as something that is very external facing. Uh, you know, it's, oh, it's how we're going to promote ourselves to the rest of the world. But of course, and, and yes, it, it can be utilized as that for brand awareness and brand building. And, and indeed, a lot of the paid mm -hmm. elements are, are very sophisticated media channels now, you, you know, and that they're, they're, they're very credible, highly targeted. There's a lot people can be doing with them. But the internal um, communications, that that is something that is often missed the internal social media, you know, that connecting both the leadership to the employees, the employees to one another, the breaking down of silos. What have, what have been your experiences and your, you know, what you've come up against around those concepts internally? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned this, uh, Michelle. I think we had a big issue ourselves when we tried to frame, you know, our, our uh, whole research. How do we really define you know, the space in which the social media uh, takes place. We, of course, were looking at social media as organizational, social media literacy, which means building the capabilities uh, within companies and helping them to be more competitive. So there is word out like enterprise social media and things like that. Yeah. But it's not so easy. No. Of course, I think, you know, the first association of people was, oh, you know, this kind of Instagram, Facebook, you know, the outside, you know, the kids world. Then you told them enterprise social media. Okay, now we've got project management. We've got all kinds of, you know, linking employees or getting their voices heard and have a kind of ongoing, you know, real-time uh, culture survey that you could do, right, by understanding and leveraging these kind of things. But I find myself more and more having a problem with making this difference between the inside and the outside world. Because yeah. what is really happening these days is that those boundaries, also when we talk about social media or social technologies, boundary busting technology, these boundaries becoming more fuzzy. And yes. if you look at the transformation, you know, yes. the fuzziness starts with that functions like HR, strategy, communication, they become more fuzzy in their identity because they have to do different things. Divisions and processes, you know, like say, I don't know, this was the kind of pipeline process you know, an agile organization today, you know, busts these boundaries that have been between certain process elements. And the same thing goes for the boundaries of the organization. You know, it's, you do co-creation with customers or you do open innovation, let's say crowdsourcing ideas 
or you do, I don't know, working with the startup universe and you, you know, you, you want to tap into what's going on out there. It's not that the resources that you own within your own organization and that may be under your command and control are the decisive ones that make you successful. You have to have the ability to be resourceful beyond the boundaries of your organization. So even if we talk about this, let's call it organizational or enterprise social media uh, capability, it's something that doesn't stop at the boundary of the organization, but must include the relevant extended universe of the organization, which you could call business ecosystem or extended enterprise, right? And yeah. if you look at platform businesses and, and the new ways uh, competition happens these days, uh, you know, we, we, we have to understand that, that, that the universe where the social media drives uh, organizational performance goes beyond the boundary of the organization. Yes. Yeah. It, I, I, that is very interesting. And, and I, I think also the, there's an element there. I mean, it's different, isn't it? You know, there's a, it's, excuse me, it's a whole, it's a whole new way of thinking about operating um, in business. And, you know, those organizations that are just getting used to the flatter aspect, you know, and, and the busting of the hierarchy to then be busting out, you know, into this more collaborative, connected ecosystem, for want of a better word, you know, yeah. is, 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 a, is, a, is a challenge, isn't it? It's a real shift. Yeah. And, you know, Michelle, the, the, the larger they are, the harder they have, yeah. time, you know, they have a harder time to do that. The, the problem really is that uh, starting with a certain complexity in organizations, you become super busy with managing your own complexity. Yeah. Right? So it's, I mean, I don't want to name names, but it actually happens in every large organization. So nobody needs to be embarrassed. It just happens if you've got, let's say, 100, 200,000 people in 100 countries in several business divisions. If you need to orchestrate all these things, you are so busy yeah. Yeah, with your own governance, with your own issues that come up all the time in that organization, that you spend much more time be- being busy with yourself than being busy with your customer. And this is where, of course, a lot of disruptors can come in, and they typically are smaller than nimble. You know, yes. they come from outside. They have that customer focus, and and, and the large organizations have a much harder time. Uh, but it's 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 imperative that they learn that. And there's, of course, in each and every these organizations these days, efforts going on to to mitigate that issue. But it's a structural uh, disadvantage that comes with size. Mm-hmm. Right? Another one. For instance, that you own a lot of assets, automatically you cannot leverage capital as effectively as you would own virtually almost no assets. Yeah. I, I, what did I read somewhere? This, this kind of trends, you know, we, we move from owning resources as being competitive to being resourceful. Hmm. It's a very different way to organize, right? You, you can be very small and you leverage your, connect, your connections you have uh, in this world, networks and capabilities, you don't have to buy them and own them. But again, you know, the challenge if you don't own them is you can't command and control them. Yes. To partner with them, you have to influence them, you have to share uh, certain kind of principles. And, and that's much harder to do than just saying, well, I tell you to do so, so you just go ahead. For that, yeah. I have to buy you, I have to own you, then I can fire you. 
Yeah. Places don't see if they fire, they they lose out on talent uh, that they might also use in the future as a resource. So, yeah. And it also helps us to actually connect also with these uh, external forces. Yeah, there was a lovely um, analogy that uh, I interviewed the um, CEO of Jellyfish, uh, a big digital agency, and uh, Rob, and he was saying that he sees all of his employees like the Google data center and each one of them is their own little CPU, you know, and, (laughs) and and I really like that because it's just kind of like, Oh, that's, you know, that's kind of rather than looking at it as a big lumbering collective, you can break it down and everybody's their own little operating center. And what are they bringing to, to keep the data center move, you know, fluid and active and up to date. And, and, that, and again, that's a very different way of thinking, isn't it? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. You know, we, we also see a trend towards uh, micro-organizations. It's e- even within companies, right? I mean, you've got all these agile teams or outside maybe a startup, maybe a venture that you uh, do together with uh, uh, some, I don't know, researcher or whatever happens. You you deal these days a lot with, with individuals and micro-organizations that, uh, get because of that agile design uh, a, a relatively high degree of autonomy and you know self organization and so on and so forth, which changes very much the role of uh, corporates and the role of governance in in large organizations because it's really a cluster of very different micro and some of them are larger of course organizations that very often come with very different cultures with different yep. operating models with different kind of things and and you have to orchestrate a portfolio. You know, back home, maybe you have a, a still a huge uh, traditional legacy system, which, by the way, you probably should not throw out. I mean, after all, maybe the basis of your competitive advantage, but you've got to reinvent your legacy system mm-hmm. in a way that it's adapted to the needs of the uh, presence. And at the same time, you might have very different units that work very differently with different yes. needs. And it's not only MB. Dexterity. I recently had a very interesting conversation with a guy. Uh, his name is, is Matthew Jacob. He heads up uh, change and transformation at the board of, of Shell um, about that it's polydexterity that you need. You need many, many different ways and accept them that they're different and not put them under one, you know, progression yeah. of organization. It's complex. It's, it's you know. And that, and that that's when people say, you know, well, tell me about it. And it's kind of like, it, you know what, it's it's pretty complex. Um, there are simplicities, but you know, it, it is it is uh, a social socialist being is complex, isn't it? In it in its in its in it in the way that it presents. So let's think about leadership then, because this is you know this is your your area of, um, you know, leadership, literacy, digital literacy in the leadership space. How is, how is uh, social, do you think, changing the role of leadership? Uh, and what, is, what have you seen from a positive and potentially, you know, the pushback negative from, from leaders that you've um, communicated with around, around that aspect? Well, First of all, I think it's important to reflect on, on what leadership means, right? Because leadership is changing also its kind of meaning and its paradigm, how you lead and what leadership means through this 
emergence of uh, you know the new economy and, and and new ways to organize. Uh, the, the heroic, charismatic leader, you know, is 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 somehow maybe replaced or become much more to a paradigm of a leader who is an enabling force that brings together people, connects stuff, and himself lets just go others and trusts that mm-hmm. system somehow works. It's, it's a, a different concept of leadership. The second thing that changes is leadership, uh, that leadership uh, moves to the periphery, which means, you know, in order to be able to respond real time to customer markets, you need to be there where the action is at the market with the customer. And if you give these people decision power in order to be fast and flexible, you have to give, this is some kind of leadership. So many organizations say these days, well, our concept of leadership is changing. It's not so much the stratification of C level, C minus one, minus two, minus three, and we still, of course, have that a lot. But it's really everybody is somehow a leader representing yep. also the values of uh, his or her uh, corporation. And to social media, of course, any post that you put up could be uh, seen also as a, a brand extension of, of, of who you belong to. Having said this, you know, we, we still have, of course, more senior leaders that have uh, stronger, you know, decision power that have uh, organizational design uh, kind of competencies that others don't have and, and what changes here. And I see two major changes. One is the leader as the user of social media in his first person, right? So he's using social media by tweeting, by posting on Facebook, by using, uh, I mean, we had a meeting way back at, on Facebook where they just had launched uh, Facebook video, you know, live video that, that you, you, yes. you utilize that. As a leader, uh, there was this example of the CEO of Walmart regularly posting on Instagram himself with the employee of the week, right? And getting a lot of followers, which was an incredible boost for the uh, culture. People saying, wow, I'd like to be like that. What did he do to get, you know, yes. uh, CEO posting with him? And so for the CEO, of course, it was also a way to be closer to the basis, you know, visiting factories or or, or in this case, uh, uh, retail outlets and so on and so forth. So the, the the leader as actor in social media as first person, and there are certain literacies you need actually in in the model that that we published a, a few years ago. Those are those like creativity. You know, how do you distribute your message as a leader? How do you respond as a leader to what's going on in the social media world? And that is a capability that leaders need to develop yes. in a way. You know. How, almost like, how do I get followers? How do I get engagement? How do I get yeah. visibility? Yeah. And, and, and there, what you need, obviously, are things like uh, spontaneity. You need, you need the, the raw, I, I, I kind of phrase of, you know, leadership unplugged. You don't need the, the, the kind of polished Teflon type of, you yeah. know, marketing challenge, uh, marketing messages that, that were there in the past. They may still be there because broadcast does not go away. No. But the social media is is the engaging leader who you know is imperfect, invites participation, invites response, asks more questions than answers, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I really like that unplugged leadership. That's uh, that really. Yeah, without without the kind of help of a big, huge 
you know, yeah. kind of the yeah, the PR machine, yeah, and, and, and sound engineers that make you perfect, right? Yes. No, no, you you and and you become accessible, and and you know, people can empathize and, and sympathize because you're vulnerable. Yeah, and it, that re, that requires courage on the it side. Does. Of the you know, it, it requires admitting I do not know, mm-hmm. admitting I need you to help me, yeah, uh, and reaching out, and and this is what then social media again allows you to do. You reach out and then you get the response. If you just tell people, this is the way we do it, it's not a broadcast medium. Social media is an inviting medium that invites participation. And if you don't know that well, you're not leveraging it well. That's right. So, So that is one aspect of leadership, I think. And people, they need to learn that for themselves. As important, I think there's a second aspect of leadership is that they enable, you know, the the free flow and enable the utilization of social media uh, activity within their organization as a practice that becomes pervasive and is used in all kinds of contexts. Maybe if people engage in some innovation project or if they do project management, if they do meetings or whatever they do in this organization, engage with customers, how do they leverage, you know, a technology that helps build better communication, connectivity, sharing, and so on and so forth. So that's more a kind of enabling role. Yes. Not so much related to their own usage of social media, but... In, in, in establishing a system and the context in which social media utilization for everybody can thrive. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting, you, you know, the, there's a lot of research. Uh, and I did a talk last week about um, it was looking at disengagement. Why do employees become disengaged? Right. And it's, it's awfully and, and there's a big cost, isn't there, to organizations? when you have a disengaged employee. I think that the study I looked at was, um, I think it was by Ernst & Young, and they they put some numbers around each um, employee, uh, disengaged employee cost um, $10,000 in profit per employee per annum. So, you know, if you've got a 100,000 employees, you know, you've got 100 employees, it's a problem, but you know, you've got 100,000 employees, it's, it's significant. And, and they were saying that it's, it, it, that, that disengagement also is one of the, it's like 80% of digital transformation projects fail due to that disengagement, employee disengagement. So there's a lot of work still to do, isn't there, with, with that leader being the enabler and, and, and also being the unplugged leader, talking to the employees, you know, being accessible and being transparent and, and being visible. We're, we're definitely- yeah, I, could, I could not agree more. And yeah. the, the disengagement thing, you know, if you look at data, uh, I don't know, have exact numbers now, but it's a clear evidence that huge, huge parts of the workforce are disengaged in large organizations. And it's kind of uh, not only expensive, it's also bad uh, just for the people. Yes. You know, they, they just bring their empty body to the work, right? But their mind and their heart is somewhere else. And uh, it's, it's, it's a sad story also. But see, again, the, the, the uh, engagement, what better instrument out there than creating a great kind of social architecture by using 
social technology to help engagement because it makes it visible. You know, I mean, there's lots of stuff out there from, from gamification to I don't know what, but you can utilize things to get people engaged. Obviously, you need more than just the technology. You need yes. a kind of a business that hopefully, you know, provides some some ethical value to, to this planet and, and purpose. And this is why we have this big discussion going on about purpose, which becomes much more important the more, you know, you give autonomy to, to people. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and you have to, if, but if you give people autonomy, you know, in, and, 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 and understand what their vision is and help them to find their vision and align that a little bit with, with what you do in an organization and have that flexibility uh, to, to tap into this, then people are engaged. People are oh, yeah. interested. Yeah. Disengaged. Nobody likes to sit around and be just, you know, unhappy. No, I mean, there was a, um, it, and again, on the, uh, Chris Bartley, who is again one of the people I interviewed on the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know which way the order is going to play yet. So I'll be saying things. So you're either going to be listening to him coming up or you'll have listened to it already. Um, but he was saying, he's the managing director of um, um, Have Us Media, Medicom. And they, he was saying that what they've started to do internally, because he's very, uh, he's a, he's, he comes from a marketing stance. So he's a very, uh, he's, a, he's a, a real uh, champion for social technologies and social connectivity and what they've started doing is actually he said you know what we recognize is we've got a lot of expertise within our organization that we weren't really tapping into and we weren't really showcasing so we are we've set an objective internally to raise the profile the social profiles of our experts so that you know we've given them film crews we've given them time to write we've given them assistance you know we've actually set up a whole department that helps to build the profile of our own it's almost like their own internal pr um to help to help their experts or these employees become real thought leaders and and i said that's that's amazing and he said and people we love it you know it's it's drawing people to us we are in we're finding some incredible things. Of course, these these great talents are now so much more invested in us because we're give investing in them. Um, and I said, but some people would be terrified of doing that because it's kind of you're doing all of this and then they, they could leave, you know, or you've built them up and it's almost like, you know, creating the monster and, and, and then they go and, and, and that's all your investment. And I said, so, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? And he said, it's a risk you've got to be prepared to take those risks. You know, Rebecca, almost to this extended enterprise that, that I mentioned before, you know, there is this great example. There are a few companies who really smartly use their alumni. Yeah. Right? So if you leave, you're gone. But that's not true necessarily. If exactly. you do it well, look at a McKinsey, look at GE. Yeah. Uh, they're a little bit in the pit right now, but it used to be the kind of benchmark for, you know, a, really a, a factory of great leaders that yeah. went on to become CEOs of other companies, but they became part of the GE ecosystem where they had great relationships then too, yes. because they did not alienate them. So if you have great experts, you develop them, you give them uh, a room to grow, and they decide to leave for whatever reason, and they don't leave 
angry or they don't leave, you know, kind of disgruntled, but they leave, oh my God, I hate to leave, but you know, I've got this great opportunity, but maybe we can work together in the future in a exactly. different way. Exactly. We, we just need different, uh, you know, maybe ways to compensate different working contracts. That's what I meant with the microorganizations, yes. the different ways uh, to deal with resources than just having this organizational model. I have to own the resource, I have to control the resource, yeah. and that's the only way I can uh, do business. Yeah, so it's it's so it's happening, you know. It is happening, isn't it? it? It's happening, and that was exactly, you know. He said, you know, and that's they'd leave with a good, from a good place, and I'd hope that wherever they went on to, they'd only say great things about how we developed them, you know, and yeah. and that will only be a good thing for us. So it's and quite an enlightened, to, yeah. It's quite yes. an enlightened view. Absolutely, and getting back to social media now, we have a technology yeah. to stay in touch with them very exactly. easily, right? Yeah. Exactly. We have a technology, you know, I did a lot of work back then, you know, before even there was uh, a social media or anything on communities of practice and communities of practice were one way, you know, that was back really in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, where it was knowledge management and, and how mm-hmm. do we establish, you know, kind of the knowledge flow within an organization, uh, get expertise visible and, and make experts help each other and yes. you know and move stuff across boundaries and so on and so forth. And and there was this concept of communities of practice. Now social technology brought that back in a very, very different way, knowledge management back in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And what we have now with the networked organization and everybody's talking about, you know, the importance of understanding network dynamics, of understanding the informal, because the formal we know. But we know also that the formal is only a very small part of the equation. The bigger part in the equation in an organization is the informal. Absolutely. And so social technology makes that visible. It does. Uh, Cisco, for instance, is doing very, very interesting work where they're utilizing organizational uh, network analysis. Uh, You know, a colleague of mine, um, Rob Cross, has done very interesting work on, on organizational network analysis linking them with some proprietary, uh, proprietary technology they have. Uh, actually, that is now in an app. Every employee has this on the phone, where they can, through the activities that they report some minor stuff, for instance, the employees, like, you know, how did I, uh, you know, feel that week? Did I achieve the objectives? What did I feel was important? What did I hmm. feel I had barriers? And this is aggregated. And also the collaboration kind of architecture is mirrored through that kind of technology. They have a real-time uh, intelligence system, how yes. to form, and they can scale this across a company of 70,000 people. Wow. So I find it's really, really interesting. And I said in the conversation with a guy recently, well, and this is step number one. Step number two will be that we have AI probably being able to make sense of water cooler conversations which are going on out there. Yeah. We know already that conversational analysis is possible and this will be coming really fast. So that it's a very, very new ways of real-time understanding of cultural issues and shaping mm. in a way, which is scary as well, of course. It is, but, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, if you think about a lot of that, that is exactly how some of these larger 
external networks. They're they're watching our moves. They're tracking what we go and look at on yes. on, on things, and they're they're building a story about who we are. Quite an accurate story, um, and and. And that's all external facing, you know, for consumer. But this is now flipping it and pushing it inwards, isn't it? And and really, it's almost like all that data, all that intelligence that these external networks get, we're, we're able to get the same internally from, from our own organizations to better our own organizations. It's, it's very true. And, you know, I find very interesting that, customer experience and employee experience are somehow almost merging now in a yes. way that is a source for intelligence for organizations. Because think about, you know, the, the, in, when we talk about digital transformation, the, the use cases of certain kind of, you know, digital applications, they're true both for customers and employees. Absolutely. But employees are customers of those digital solutions at the same time. Yeah. And so we've got to leverage that. Yeah, absolutely. And and they are the internal customers, aren't they? If you if you yes. position it that way. So um oh very all very interesting. So do you <laughs> it is though. I mean we could talk oh, for hours. Yeah, it we, is it is really fascinating. It is. We're living in interesting times. It is very interesting times on many levels. Um and so with regards to leadership then. Uh, I mean, my view, and, you know, I, I put this out there now. I used to be a little reticent to say it, but, you know, I truly believe that social media technologies and maybe social media, the media bit is the wrong word, you know, social technologies are kind of like this. It's almost like a glue. I don't know why I keep referring to it as a glue that, you know, that can almost, you know, can or connect all disconnection. Um, that is going on once you identify what that disconnection is, regardless of where it sits, whether it's leader to employees or within teams. Do you do you think that do we do you what's your view about how this will shift? Do, do you think it's going to you know people are going to get it? Um, do you think that more leaders it's going to become an absolute skill that people say you know because even now there's a lot of people that will say I don't want to get involved. Uh, I don't want anything to do with it. Do you think it, that literacy is is just going to be inextricably part of the future of leadership, the future of how employee uh, uh, employees engage, and indeed, even if we call them employees, you know, the future of organisations. I feel it's got a big role to play. What, what's your view? No, I agree. But, you know, we have to, I think it definitely has a, a big role to play. And, and you're saying it's a, it's kind of a glue. I, I also totally agree. I think it's a communication technology that yeah. uh, has already changed the world and is, is, is changing the world further, not only on the good side, and we can maybe touch this a little bit as well yes. later on. But, but uh, you know, it alone, just having the technology and, you know, having maybe a leader who says, well, enabling and I'm myself a, a, an avid user and maybe a successful user uh, is not enough. Because I believe there are some core elements that need to accompany, you know, the uh, yeah, implementation or the use of, of social technology. So, for instance, uh, if you, I think that the importance of caring for each other yes. becomes much more important in that way so that I really have an interest in you and I 
somehow am able to create this as a mutual kind of thing because this caring and, and collaboration eventually creates uh, social texture and social texture eventually creates the culture of an organization. Yes. And, and, and this caring is in a way the currency because it creates trust of, of, of network performance and so on and so forth. Now, that means you have to do other things as well. You have to instigate things like curiosity. You have to instigate things like caring uh, for the other. And I mean caring, I mean looking beyond your own interests, you know, yes. being, being very curious and caring for what's going on in finance, right? I yeah. care for that. What's going on at this customer? I care for that, right? What is my, you know, buddy next to me thinking? I care for that. Yeah. Because all these more, let's say, almost emotional or social slash emotional conditions become more important. If you don't nurture those, you know, you might have the technology and everything, but it's not really used well. And there are quite a few of those, right? I mean, there's creativity, there are others um, that need to be fostered at the same way where you don't maybe immediately see the connection to social media, but they are an important condition that this technology, you know, is utilized in the right way. Positive way, yeah. Because as you say, it can be, and you know, we 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 hear a lot of we. we there are some good stories that come out, but there is also, you know, the as you said, the negative aspects where where instead of instilling that sense of belonging and care, it can also instill a sense of of you know. Well, we we hear about cyberbullying and things like that, don't we? You know, the, yeah. in, in the dark side of social, you know, yeah. so. Today I just read, you know, latest note: a fourteen-year-old girl killed herself, and she killed herself because she caused an Instagram. She asked her followers, "Should I kill myself or not?" Oh. And seventy percent said, "Kill yourself." Oh, crikey! Right, and so it's it, it, it's it's horrible, right? And this yeah. is happening as well. Yeah, we we need to mitigate these these unintended consequences, and you know, and, and even up to the very large scale, where mm. you know, you know, democracy and 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 the bubbles and I don't need to that's it's separate yeah, yeah it's it's an it's also a very uh, important element to, to to look at yeah so I suppose if we come from that place of care and connection uh, with ourselves you know as well as connecting with others then mm-hmm. um, then then that that gives it a better chance doesn't it yes I mean, I have actually, I've come up with 13 C's. <laughs> this oh. was kind of an exercise, you know, it came over in a way, kind of a funny thing. I had to give a keynote and I didn't know what to talk about. And so I somehow suddenly had this in, almost uh, intuition. Oh, there's lots of it to see, like communication and creativity and connectivity and co-creation and yes. collaboration and, you know, and caring and so on and so forth that, that are in a way, ingredients for the future of organization that, you know, is somehow uh, sustainable and future-proof. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are, and, and there may be more even, but, but those Cs, I think, you know, if you put them together, they are the enablers also of a productive use of, of social media. 
Well, I'd love to see your paper on those seas. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually more pictures. Is it more pictures? Okay. But uh, it's yeah, it's, it, there's even a podcast out there about that. Oh, fantastic! But, well, I yeah, me. happy to happy to send you a yes, link. Yes, please. To that. Yes, please. I'll uh, put it in, I'll put it into the show notes as well. That would be <laughs> that's, that's, really useful. That is, that is that is very kind of you. Yeah, but so I think this is this is um, uh, an important element to, to look at. Uh, yeah, so. I, and I agree. And and you know, this is a big question, I suppose, for somebody that you, you know as yourself that has been uh, researching and um, it, within this space and growth within this this space and this topic um, uh, and this body, shall we say, for such a long time. So, what do you think has been your I mean, I don't think there's been one thing, but, you know, what's been your biggest learning so far, would you say, Roland, around digital and, and social media activity within organisations? If there was like, what's the biggest thing that you you, you could think of? Ah, well, that's a big question. See, I, my, my most recent work was on digital transformation challenges. And, you know, the so the social media work, which was a few years ago, it, of course, you know, is very relevant to that because I think digital transformation and those literacies, you know, to to leverage collaboration and communication technologies effectively uh, is is very important also in those transformation processes. But of course, there's more to these to these digital transformation challenges, uh, and they have a lot to do with engaging with difference, engaging, for instance, with new and innovative kind of ways, and you know, to to be able to respond with your organizational uh, setup uh, accordingly. What I find is maybe one big thing, very much discussion is an either or discussion. You know, mm -hmm. people focus either on the people aspect and, you know, the soft aspects of this, everything is mindset and, you know, it's kind of about, you know, we have to find our purpose and lead and so on and so forth, the people side of it. And that's a very, very important side and I agree uh, yes. You know, there is no use of technology if there is not concurrently also something happening on the people's side. On the other hand, you know, there is there is very often, oh, let's, you know, just have the organizational structure uh, looked at, the technology looked at. And there is still a disconnect, I feel, between the hard fact and the soft fact of, uh, you know, these transformation processes. Yes. So... So how can we bring them together? Sadly, you know, and I would say the, the soft in one way is more important because it is underrepresented, uh, has a weaker reputation, and it's not uh, sufficiently appreciated, you know, reflected, for instance, in the reputation of HR, mm. you know, yeah. of HR in, the, in the reputation of those who, may drive these change processes, but, you know, they, they don't have the same, uh, you know, kind of positional yep. power as a strategy, an IT person, a marketing person. So how, how can you really bring these together? So my, my, my big thing is really the, the cross-functional, cross-boundary, how can you do these things well? And how can you architect them? You know, that friction is a learning opportunity that can be leveraged productively because what i see a lot is that friction is still avoided and is seen as something bad yeah you know, friction is the space where uh, you know change and transformation happens and looking at you know 
how can I create spaces of productive friction with customers, with employees, with between functions, between divisions, and put them in a way that I think is something that yeah. uh, currently really sparks my interest a lot. Because it's kind of, you know, if everybody's just, and, and I know this is a, kind of a simplistic view on that, but, you know, if everybody's just a yes people or they're just folding their arms and they're not engaged and they're rolling their eyes because, you know, they know that they don't have that pad, then then people move away from friction, don't they? They don't, they don't want... Yes. They don't want to get involved, with, but it's actually when you have the friction that you can you create some heat, you know, and that exactly. can be very productive to move things forward. It gives it almost momentum, doesn't it? That that heat yes. gives it momentum to move forwards into a different place. That is very true, Michelle. And what we see today, you know, is that you know the bubbles created through you know the algorithms that are in those social media platforms yeah. actually do the opposite. They try to avoid that. You're only talking, you know, within the own choirs or within your own community, so to say. You don't even get fed any uh, difference anymore. And I think it's very important for change and transformation to yes. curate difference, right? And to curate right. it in a way that is, you know, having this difference meeting productively for further joint learning and development. And, and that's not happening so, so much, yeah. right? It's what I meant with, with, with curiosity also so important. I mean, think and, and, and read and interact and invite things outside your own, you know, world, uh, maybe your own industry, because change comes from different industries these days, yes. uh, outside your own function. Yeah, you may be an expert in finance, but, you know, you need to understand also people and strategy and what have you. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, how do I reach out beyond? And it starts even, you know, I have to understand my customer, right? Yes. Going beyond that boundary. Yes. So there's a lot of, of, of this going on. So the boundaries have been very much in my... Yeah. And, and, you know, from, from me as a marketeer, you know, that's where we start. You know, you, if you don't have customers, you don't, you don't have a business. You, you know? don't have a business. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, so this has been a joy, um, Roland, speaking to you. And I, I you know, you, I'm, I would love to uh, speak to you on so many, so many but things. So, likewise, Michelle, it's really a pleasure, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you away from social media and the digital space landscape for us, just to find out a little bit more about you. Um, so I've got some quick fire questions and, and, some of them are quite a couple of them. There's only three questions. A couple of them are quite big questions, but it's just top of the head kind of quick fire things. So I'm going to, I'm going to fire them at you. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? <laughs> you have really big questions. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I thought about this a little bit. Um, I think the one thing I would really focus on and change on is, is education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the lack of, of, of education leads to a lot of issues in society these days. Uh, you know, we have so huge challenges ahead of us with, yeah. with AI and, and, you know, also the political and whatever. And, 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 and that we have populists 
you know, being so successful is, is a matter of that, that people just don't have the necessary, you know, kind of educational background very often to really reasoning and, and, and understanding the complexity of this planet. And, and yeah. then they are gullible for simplicity. And so uh, education always has been a, a big, big, yep. you know, uh, variable in, 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 Thriving societies, and if you want to have democracy, you you have to have education, and so I would focus on this a lot. Fantastic, yeah. else, wonderful, um, wonderful. And what about? I, I know you read books avidly. Um, so <laughs> is there a, is there a book that you've read recently that's inspired you? Uh, there's quite a few, you know. Is one one I uh, just recently read because I met the author, was by Roger McNamee, the, the book called Zucked. I don't know if you've heard about it. Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe. Oh, I have seen that. Yes. Yeah, and, and he's a very interesting guy because Roger McNamee, first of all, he's a hippie. And he, he comes up and he still has kind of long hair and kind of hippie-ish type of uh, uh, behavior. And, you know, and the Silicon Valley was pretty much also built by this kind of types. He was uh, very early on in technology um, uh, investment banking and was a very early uh, investor in Facebook. He was a mentor of, 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 of Zuckerberg and uh -huh. he was really, you know, he, he knew all these guys because this was at the heart of the Silicon Valley with yeah. Jobs and Bill Gates and what have you. And uh, about two or three years ago, you know, he started to really become the fiercest critic of the uh, algorithm and the business model behind yes. Facebook because he saws all these these negative um, things and you know and uh, and they're not on talking terms anymore yeah for whatever reason Zuckerberg and him but he's an extremely engaging speaker and I can only recommend there's tons of if you go on YouTube and and type in Roger McNamee um, then you will find because he's currently on the circuit the book came out a few months ago okay. but that is really uh, what inspired me so much that it's it's kind of from Paul from Saulus to Paulus in a way, right? Yes. Conversion from somebody who was and he's still, you know, he he's got an investment firm together with Bono from U two, and they they still have billions under management and stuff like that. But then he, you know, saw what's going on there and mm he's -hmm. critic now. I like that. Another one, if I may, I have a second one. Yes, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> was a, a biography of Hannah Arendt, which was super inspiring for me. You know, I came across that Hannah Arendt was a was a political philosopher. Uh, you know, that uh, uh, had actually, you know, parents and herself even very briefly in a concentration camp, and then she emigrated. And she was a woman who was very close with the largest you know, philosophers of the early 20th century, like, you know, Heidegger was mm. in love affair with him and, and, and Carl Jaspers and, and, and others. And it was so incredibly, you know, um, inspiring a woman. In, it's called, the Biaf is called A Life in Dark Times. Mm. And times are not only dark for her as a, as a Jewish intellectual and a woman. Yeah. It was just all that. And still then, living such a life and, and making such an impact 
um, in political uh, philosophy I found very inspiring. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I will definitely have a look at that. And yeah. so thank you for sharing those. And, um, and last but not least, what's the best piece of advice you have been given to date? Yeah, that was, you know, you, you gave me this question. <laughs> it is really a hard one because there's a lot of people that, that shaped uh, in a way what I do. If I think back, one was really that don't, you know, try to do everything on your own. Mm. Try to focus on enabling others and enabling others by connecting them with each other, mm. you know, in meaningful context, so to say. Which means, I, I, for instance, I've created this kind of executive uh, network of, of, of leaders it's it's really introducing them to each other and let them then go, but provide also a meaningful, you know, context around what they can engage in. Yes. And it's a way of, it, it, for me, it created a, a, a great network and, and a great uh, influence on people, which is very indirect, right? It's not something that I tell them to do, but which is something that informed a lot of the work then I did on social uh, uh, media, for instance, and on social texture and so on and so forth. So it's more, uh, it's very simple. Put put the others, but not only the individual. The connectivity of others. Yes. Enable the connectivity of others, and then sit back. But then also provide them a context. Yes. In which connectivity can make sense. Yes. I mean, uh, that is, yeah, you're the perfect connector. Yeah, in a way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's the facilitator of, you know, that wonderful connectivity. But but like you say, with the right context, I, I, I really like that. It's kind of a little bit how I feel about bringing all these wonderful people together on my podcast. Yeah, there's, there's nothing more rewarding, yeah. in my opinion, right, than, yes. than connecting interesting people and maybe, you know, somewhere be sometimes you're just a fly on the wall. Then. Exactly. That's <laughs> how I feel, you know. Yeah, but, but then you also provide them some context if you connect. Them, exactly. Right? Exactly. Why, why don't you? A, f- a friend of mine, for instance, I found very interesting. He did um, uh, an event series here at the LA County Museum of Art, and later on he did it in the New York uh, Public Library. Events like he brought together, uh, you know, uh, uh, Frank Gehry, the architect, mm. uh, who did the Disney Hall here in mm. Los Angeles, and uh, Prabules, who uh, was the conductor of the very first concert that then happened in this Disney Hall. And at the opening, they were both here, and he made a kind of a, you know, panel where Pierre Boulez talked about his approach to architecture mm. and Gary about his approach to music. Wonderful. You know, you, you, this was for me the essence of crossing boundaries, right? Yes. The architect is not only about architecture, it's about music, and he builds something yes. where music will happen. And the conductor needs maybe an architect to, to make the music really thrive. A few sticks to, yeah, exactly, yeah, to sound amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Connect, connecting those in conversation yeah. and then stepping back, but still, you know, giving them the context, context. in which you can have yeah. this discussion, I found, for instance, wonderful. Yeah, that is lovely. That's really wonderful. Oh, brilliant. So I've thoroughly enjoyed our discussion. How do people find out more about the work that you're doing, Roland? How do, how do people find out more about you? I'll, I'll make sure everything's in the show notes, but if there, is there a website they can get to? Yeah, we have uh, actually 
you know, the Center for the Future of Organization is, is one thing, is my home in a way, more the academic and research ways. Futureorg.org, where, you know, you find uh, papers, you find also some multimedia stuff that we're putting up there and somehow just the, the background of some of the stuff we're doing. Um, that's maybe the best way to go. I have a personal website, rolanddizer.com. Uh, both of them are valuable to get uh, uh, somehow. And then obviously the usual like uh, LinkedIn and Twitter accounts yes. uh, where things happen. Fantastic. Okay, well, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing all your wonderful insights and experience uh, and research with us. So um, I'm just going to leave it with a very big thank you. And so did I, Michelle. I thank you very much. You've been listening to the Get Social Connected Leader podcast. Thank you to my guest and indeed thank you to you for tuning in. Please do feel free to share the podcast with colleagues and friends who you think will enjoy it and indeed subscribe to tune in for more episodes. You'll find the podcast on all the usual platforms and all episodes are also on our website, carvelcreative.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You'll also find some really useful digital and social resources on that site too. So be sure to check those out. So for now, from me, Michelle Carville, your host on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in and goodbye. Oh, P.S. If you're a business leader with something to share around digital and social technologies and you're keen to be a guest on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, michelle at carvelcreative.co.uk.